0: Hey, this is uh, this is a momentous occasion. We are recording uh, our our first podcast of the PG era, and uh, no, that does not mean uh, that we are like the WWE, and we are going to uh, mysteriously change from a color video feed to black and white anytime someone bleeds. Uh, it certainly doesn't mean I'm going to stop cursing uh because at Mm -hmm. this point i've pretty much lost control of that um it's it's the post gruden era
1: oh yeah but i mean jay's been gone for a while and deuce is (laughs) is still around so are you talking about a different gruden
0: yeah i i would say i am talking about the gruden that most people think of if you just get the name the last name gruden uh john gruden out as uh the coach of the las vegas raiders after uh several uh media outlets including the wall street journal and the new york times reported on some uh very bad emails that he sent um but I am the, not
1: tired of his damn emails. I'll tell you that right now. I,
0: well, I am, but but the most fascinating thing about this whole saga to me is that the way these emails were surfaced has nothing to do at all with John Gruden because it's part of the ongoing investigation into uh, the... The workplace culture of what is now the Washington football team a culture which it would almost be charitable at this point uh, given what we know to call it toxic and there it's was very, another it... turn in that uh, in that story this morning when the LA Times uh, reported that Adam Schefter noted NFL insider or whatever whatever his official job title is at ESPN
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, in 2011 at the height of uh, a, a very uh, ugly CBA negotiation between the NFL Players Association and uh, team ownership sent an unpublished draft of a story about the ongoing negotiations to then team president, GM, executive, Bruce Allen. Executive, yeah. And gave Bruce Allen, who was a source, a subject of this story, uh, the ability to make edits and changes and even sort of tongue-in-cheek called him Mr. Editor in the email. And I... Look, I I know that I am... uh, I'm known for uh, measured opinions here and and, and for never blowing anything out of proportion. Uh, But I I read that, and the first thing I thought was, well, I know this isn't going to happen, but he really ought to lose his job over this this is
1: not even the first thing he's done in the last month that I think is fireable. That is correct. But, 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 but I think that this one is notably bad and they, and they wrote about it very well on defector. And I mean, which was helpful for me as someone who's not in journalism and, and Kevin, uh, if I can summarize as, as someone who doesn't get it and then Sean can get into it more. Just if you're writing a story about someone the you don't want them to write the story for you because you know in in working on something is something newsworthy and is it true if you let the subject who you want to be truthful about and you want to pick up the newsworthy bits um and and you want to be as objective as possible you've thrown that out the window by asking them this wasn't a matter of asking like hey i have you as saying mm-hmm this quotation about this item is that true that's it you don't send them the whole story so like that that is very bad i I will agree
2: yeah so this is uh so sorry the subject of this article like it doesn't not that it necessarily matters in terms of you know journalistic integrity but Mm -hmm. like the article wasn't about bruce allen it was about uh, it was, yeah. I, I
0: don't. I don't have the article in front of me. It's you know because it's ten years old. But it's right. it's something. It was an article about the the state of CBA negotiations, and 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 something that the defector article does a really good job of pointing out there is that you know it it's not the case that something like that is the only time when it is a pretty significant ethical violation to to let your source control the story but it is a situation where it is especially important for you to not let your sources control the story because the outcome of you know the outcome of labor negotiations has a very real impact on people's lives
1: yeah, and and, and uh, I mean, they <laughs> these are ultimately contractual and, and legal things, and so letting one side in in you know legal proceedings, uh, you parrot them and, and allow you to be basically their publicist. Like that's that's, that's a, I think very gross. Um, and and like that's I think that's a real real problem here, and we'll get into more like the publicist versus journalist later. But yeah, I think the Sean has explained that well, Kevin.
2: Yeah, I think I'm. I. Yeah, I think kind of what we're getting to is like when I think of Adam Schefter, I don't say so I think journalists. So maybe. He gets different rules applied to him Maybe you shouldn't take an Adam Schefter article Seriously to begin with uh, Yeah.
0: Well I'm, I'm glad you said that Because this is a, a, I don't know Feels like this has been Kind of the most prominent Strain of response To this online Is uh, some version Of um, Well one is Journalists do this all the time uh, And the The response to that is no they don't fact checking is not the same as that and Pierce you already described that you know Mm -hmm. I just spent nine months working on a journalistic project and there was very rigorous fact-checking which involved things like me recording interviews with sources and then providing that recording to people uh, to editors not to the people that I interviewed for them to listen and make sure that I got quotations right or anything where a piece of factual information came from an outside source. I had to put a footnote and link out to that source so someone could check it and make sure that I, I represented that information correctly. But the other thing that comes up a lot is people saying, well, Adam Schefter is not a journalist. And here's the thing. I wholeheartedly 100% agree with everyone who has said that. Here's the problem. ESPN bends over backwards to present him like he is a journalist, and so uh, you you have to if you're going to do that, you have to hold him to ethical standards like you would for a journalist. And and, and I I was thinking about this today as I was talking. With some of my uh, my journalism school folks, at least one of whom was was kind of coming at this from the standpoint of like I don't know, miss me with this. He, he's not he's not a journalist. I, I don't need another ethics lecture. And I I, I I don't know. Journalists love nothing. Kind of like how uh, the. The Academy loves to reward a movie about movies yeah. uh, we we love little more than we love an overwrought online debate about media ethics but like I, I don't know man I, I, I can't help but think that a lot of the bad stuff that happens in the world these days and especially in the world of media is uh, sort of it traces back to a, a pretty gross hollowing out of professional ethics, and, and and the the thing that jumped straight into my brain was Chris Cuomo. Now, Chris Cuomo is a CNN host. He is not a journalist, um, but he, uh, you know, he, he got in some hot water over the summer while his brother, the now former governor of New York. Uh, was dealing with a a pretty notable sexual misconduct scandal that ultimately led him to step down. And Chris Cuomo uh, did not report, did not talk about his brother on his show, which is one of the centerpieces of CNN's primetime lineup, but he did um, act as sort of an informal PR advisor to his brother. And, uh, like, it is truly, it does not matter that Chris Cuomo is not a reporter in the same way that, like, I'm a reporter. It is a staggering ethical failure that Chris Cuomo is still allowed to have a primetime television program on CNN. And, like, I, not that Adam Schefter is especially important, but this is this is the same thing. yeah people there's mountains of research to the effect that people don't really do a good job distinguishing between what is news what is reporting and what is not Mm -hmm. and uh these these networks these outlets take advantage of that and and use use that to their benefit and i would argue that if you're going to use it to your benefit that means you have to take the consequences that come with that and that means treating the people that you present as though they are journalists like they are journalists
1: well and i think that you you're you're kind of coming to something which is probably your might be your bigger point here but uh, to to start stepping toward it i would say that we see this problem, I would say, in mm-hmm. in ESPN's response today, which was basically Whew. whatever. And I say that, that it was whatever. And then we get into the you know media versus journalism, and I think unfortunately, um, ESPN used to employ a lot of people who were journalists. You had shows like Outside the Lines that were. Really, journalism heavy, yeah. I, I guess. Um, And, and, but that's the thing: is it's not the focus. It's more about the content. It's the media, and to just touch on another fireable thing, um, it is also a uh, sports gambling, sports betting kind of conduit affiliation. Um, And to that point, speaking of journalistic integrity, being able to be objective. There were already questions about that with Adam Schefter, which hey, if he's an entertainer, if he is just a media personality, that's fine. But he is now invested in a a gambling, uh, sports gambling item. Bad enough as it is, as he is a sports media personality in some regard. Um, he's it's part of a vehicle with with Bob Kraft, who yeah. to come back to the Bruce Allen point, is an owner of an NFL. Team. So you have a huge conflict of interest there. It's it's not like it's it's the, the owner of the 76ers where you go, ah, eh, this isn't good. Maybe we can ignore it. Maybe he he's not an active investor or, or whatever. But no, this is directly tied to the type of media he does. And it's like, and to your point again, and the way the responses, the way these organizations talk about it and saying, eh, whatever, that feels bad.
0: Yeah, I, I would say that I, I am... Uh, I think I'm more frustrated and upset with ESPN and CNN than I am with Adam Schefter or Chris Cuomo. Like, per, Cuomo, like... Uh, I, I, I want to extend uh, not a benefit of the doubt... Because I think what he did was wrong, and I think that he is, you know, I, I think that he's intelligent and probably thoughtful enough to know on some level that what he did was wrong. But, like, uh, when when family gets involved, like, I, I want to extend some understanding to him on on, on that front, I guess. But and, and, ESPN yeah. and CNN are... A gigantic players In The media Journalism we'll, we'll call it the media Because really What what we're talking about here You know To lean back on another Overwrought journalism trope The media is a business Journalism is a practice um, yeah, And god yeah. I, I'm just I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I said that Because I sound like such a dick But well, it really Like at times like this you you have to be able to fall back on certain principles and business writ large you know has a very different set of principles for you to fall back on
1: and and I would say to that, you know, the CNN example is I, I think is a little more layered because of what sure. you said, and and still, I mean, CNN should should respond to that there are some media wars going on at this time. Again, we might get into this topic of <laughs> newsworthy, true, who cares? Uh-huh. But I mean, I think Kevin, I would ask you with with ESPN. I don't I I don't know the last time I was like, let me sit down and watch ESPN, other than for an actual event, uh-huh. like. What are you going to them for Anyways right now Are we missing the point by even yeah. Wanting to hold them to these standards
2: Yeah I think That it, It's one of those things where I used to interact with ESPN in a much different way And I never know if when that, What changes to what extent that is The media landscape changing Versus me getting older You know going to college and stuff So like it used to be you know when I would come home I would watch p t i and around the horn which is a show of journalists um that but they're not presented as like no one's taking things that they say to with any journalistic um standards um yeah. it's and like e s p n is not you know is not you know touting them as like I don't know, it's just—it's very obvious that that's not what it is. But then yeah, those are website, journalists, they're like but they're articles.
0: not. Yeah, yeah. The, the shows like PTI and Around the Horn are are featuring journalists, but they are obviously not doing journalism. And those shows are packaged in such a way that I, I don't know. I think they do a pretty damn good job of of making it clear that, like, you know, Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon are not reporting news on part right. of the interruption. Where it gets a little trickier is when you, like, cut into SportsCenter to have Schefter do some very self-important hit about, you know, the situation with Aaron Rodgers and Mm -hmm. wanting out of Green Bay. And that is just, like, it is not presented as meaningfully different from anything that would be considered reporting.
2: Right, so I and that's something that I guess I used to. I probably used to kind of get my news exclusively from you know something like SportsCenter Center and those mm-hmm. Adam Schefter hits. Whereas now I kind of just get the, you know, I, I let other people do the filtering, I guess, and I get it from like podcasts or mm-hmm. uh, aggregators or you know places like Defector, The Ringer, or whatever. Sure. And um, and I think that thinking
1: about the the shows you mentioned the the talk shows kind of um versus versus the sports center you know sports center we assume is news it is it is sports news over however long they do it um the discussion shows like those those are opinion shows and so what comes here now is i have to wonder is someone like adam shifter and there are other people like him too um in other places i mean now do i have to wonder if someone like jay glazer who who's at fox who i think does a good job um but is he are they able to be critical or are they so scooped out in and in other people's pockets are they not able to be critical because if you're not able to to be critical you are just delivering news that someone gave you without checking it
0: well i have good news for you here you do not have to wonder uh jay glazer is absolutely every bit as scooped out as adam schefter is all, all of anyone whose title is you know like insider this is it's the exact same thing with woge it's the same thing with shams uh, it is i uh, it is the same thing with Jeff Passan, even though Jeff Passan also occasionally does like real serious reporting, in a way that and I owns certainly bad have not
1: people on Twitter.
0: <laughs> in a way that I, I don't think I've seen from Schefter in a mm-hmm. a long time. Um, but it's just, I, I think that one of the things that I find the most frustrating about this, from the standpoint of these insider, access merchant types, you know, separating that from my institutional issues with with ESPNs and the, you know, the outlets that employ the access merchants is that, like, you're just... You're making... You are adding an extra layer of work for your consumer to do to ask the question that you just asked, Pierce. Like, every time... You see an Adam Schefter tweet, or you see an Adam Schefter hit on SportsCenter. You just like you have to stop and ask like, who planted that with him? Who well, who is he doing PR for today?
1: Well, maybe. Or as as happens with a lot of other news organizations right now, it's it is a it is a tribal thing you know you are a consumer of that media because you agree with the approach of that media and to get to Mm. to my thing here which is we've talked about other organizations that that we like ultimately and we think have standards that 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 we agree with and i think that's important to say this becomes a, a we thing there uh and i wonder you know, ESPN has fired a lot of people, a lot of journalists, a lot of people who who maybe don't agree with all of the way ESPN does things mm-hmm. over the years. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't know the full ins and outs of it. I, I wouldn't say that like necessarily like Ed Werder or John Clayton, who they previously employed are like awesome people that that I agree with the way they do things. I don't even know how they really do them. But what I would say is Adam Schefter, people like that, who, who I think are, are seem to be very, uh, they're less likely to be critical of NFL, of the shield. Isn't that of course, what ESPN is going to do in, in what, what are you after you are after the NFL rights, which give you money. And that is not negotiated with the players. Um, so like, of course you're going to carry the water for the league. And of course ESPN is not the one who released those emails, but more responded to the releases. And so of course he's going to do that. And of course ESPN is going to do that.
0: Yeah, I, of course. I, I, I think that is, that is true. Uh, and that is a, a thing. I mean, in some ways... ESPN is actually solving this problem by choosing this path. You know, in in the John Skipper, John Walsh days, ESPN bet really big on journalism and, and had all of these people with these impeccable newspaper credentials like Kornheiser and Will Bond, like Dan Lebitard, like Jamel Hill, and, and you know, tried really hard to... To make journalism a key part of what they were doing at the same time that they were, you know, trying to be this major player on live sports rights. And what we're seeing is that, like, those things don't mesh. John Skipper has has made several appearances on Labatard's show in recent months since they you know since they struck out and started a company together and and has talked a few times about you know the the concussion saga and you know there there was a big sort of cross platform cross outlet effort with ESPN and NPR to to investigate these claims about head injuries and Skipper looked up one day and realized oh wait I am the conflict of interest My, I am the roadblock you know to, to this being the kind of work that it ought to be because I serve two masters I am trying to serve the journalism master while I also am, am part of You know and part of this giant content beast that needs to be fed and if i piss the league off you know we can't feed the content beast appropriately and so like as much as it pains me uh, like i i think you know what is very clear is that espn has made its choice you know they they are they they have picked a way forward um and, 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 and I don't that
1: is know so that we lose. I don't know that we to you know it, Kevin to go back to that. What we expect from them, I don't think that we lose anything from that. I think there is just disappointed that it's so blatant in the way. But honestly, isn't there something nice about the honesty and and inadvertent transparency about how corrupted this insider is? Like it's out there. He doesn't have to go he doesn't have to go on like someone whose name rhymes with Sucker Tarlson and be like, no, no, I'm one of you. I promise. I promise. We're on the same page here. Like, we just know it with, with, um, with Adam Schefter that he is corrupted.
0: My my one argument against that would be we absolutely do lose something if nothing else steps up to take on the journalism mantle if nothing takes over that side of things then we absolutely do lose out on something pretty important and 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 that goes to you know it goes to why uh, why journalists and reporters are, are so upset about or, or or we're so upset about the cutting down of locker room access during the pandemic and, and are, are worried that leagues are going to use that as a way to actually push journalists further away even as things continue to you know return to something resembling normal it's a problem with the hollowing out of local newspapers and and tv stations over the last two decades as journalism practice gets subsumed by the media business not just in sports but everywhere you know um bomani jones made a a point that he he was talking to joel anderson uh from slate about the bishop sycamore (laughs) fiasco uh you know six weeks ago or, or whatever that was and 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 wondering why like why nobody was on to Bishop Sycamore sooner. And the answer is that, you know, because there's not the same level of like robust local coverage of high school sports as there used to be. And and if there was, someone would have figured this shit out a long time ago. You know, I I so I, I, I don't think I I don't agree with the idea that we don't lose anything from ESPN picking
2: its side. Yeah. I think my initial thought was that, yeah, well, because this, this happens because before the only, the only outlet maybe journalists had, or at least what I thought of was like, okay, there's ESPN and there's, you know, sports illustrated. Whereas now I, again, if I went journalism, I go to maybe some of these other places, um, that, perhaps didn't exist, um, or weren't as prevalent 10 years ago or so, um, like Defector or, or Grammon. but yes, they, those still, those places like the athletic probably has some clout, but like, I don't, nothing has the clout that like ESPN had to really like when, and when ESPN thought something was important, it, everyone kind of thought it was important and you know, it's still be useful to have that.
0: Yeah. And the athletic is a fascinating case for that too, because, you know, they they are a major contributor to this journalistic hollowing out of, of local sports coverage because they have tried to subsume all of that into their umbrella. But like on some level, you know, one of Pierce's favorite questions to ask is, is this a tech company? And The Athletic you know certainly tries to operate like a tech company it's backed by tech vc money and now they have been trying very hard to get themselves purchased by someone else uh despite having some some you know revenue projections that uh kevin draper of the new york times would say are uh a tad over optimistic um mm. and and so like as these things everybody is now trying to be big and national like ESPN and like you can't you just can't do it they had a do forty it. year fucking head start on you you can't win this yeah, and so like do it but but it doesn't you know there's kind of no winning that game anyway because even even if you're you know even if you're the baltimore sun and you are trying to stay local in your coverage like none of that protects you from being bought up you know from becoming part of a a media conglomerate like tribune that then gets snapped up by a predatory hedge fund Who's going to strip you for parts like, you know, it's, I don't know, in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm just banging my head against the wall and and shouting into the void about nothing because like this, this tide isn't reversing. And just like I'm, I am really worried about what we're going to lose, what we are, what we have already lost and what we are going to continue to lose in this. So what you're saying is it's a bad time to be a
1: journalist is what I'm hearing.
0: You know what? Those were your words,
2: not mine. <laughs> Maybe a sports or a political journalist which I I don't know what percentage of journalists that are, but uh No, I off I, a big I I
0: think I don't know if I think it is a bad time to be a journalist. I think it is I I think it is an exceptionally bad time to be a journalist without adaptable skills and a willingness to uh, to try to find different ways to do this uh, you know god my, my pivoting to video well yeah don't maybe don't do that <laughs> but like you know what I what I see from ICAJ, from from my employer is amazing it's a you know it's a nonprofit and and I think there's a quite a lot of benefit to be had from nonprofit journalism you know nonprofit media because profit motives inevitably introduce some corrupting factors and and, and that, that doesn't mean you know that doesn't mean that if you want to run a, a journalism business you you can't <clears throat> you can't make money or else you will be you know, a uh, 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 bought and paid for Shill. like that's not true. uh i I point you to the the way the Washington Post is covering the uh stuff around Blue Origin. You know, it is possible. it is possible to do good, independent, often adversarial journalism uh as part of a business. like there is something that is kind of special about what happens when you don't even have to worry about that. Uh, It introduces its own separate set of concerns, like how you are going to fund your operation. But you know, there, there is a lot of really great nonprofit media. There's a lot of um, the, the Neiman journalism lab, which is a, uh, like a center at Harvard, that studies journalism in the media wrote a story made like earlier this week or maybe last week about how there's been a ton of growth in like niche sort of single topic sites um and and i I think there's there's something valuable to that where you can you know really focus in and and find people with expertise on a subject so like Mm -hmm. i i don't think I don't think at all that it is a bad time across the board for journalism. I think it is a very bad time for the traditional model of journalism, the way that we've been used to for decades. And, you know, uh, people people who still want to do this are going to have to ride the wave a little bit and and find new avenues to do the things that they want to do. So...
1: that that makes sense but um you know some some honesty uh, is is probably helpful along the way both from organizations and from from the people doing the job too
0: (laughs) yeah don't be like adam schefter there i said it i said it and now that i've said it we will uh move on to pierce's sorry what are you apologizing for today
1: have you all heard of a band called A Place to Bury Strangers? you ever heard of this band?
0: I have not. I have heard the name. I have never heard any of their music. Well, so I now know their
1: name, and I have now heard some of their music. When you ask a question like that, you do what I think Sean is doing now, which you which you look it up. You look up the band just for awareness. So what I'm apologizing for is failing to do what I normally do, which is look up an opener before going to a show. Maybe listening to a song or at least looking something up. I apologize for this because I went early, as I like to do, to a Future Islands uh, show last night. Um, I like seeing openers. It's the way I'm introduced to a lot of music. The thing is, is me and the person I went to the concert with had not looked this up. So had to rush out after like a song and a half, be like, where can we get some earplugs? Ah. Place to Bury Strangers is, is honestly, I thought their performance was great. It was very strange. They picked up the lights. They picked up the amps. and like moved them around. There was a lot of uh, fog. Um, the guitarist, broke his guitar on purpose and continued playing it, continued throwing it around, got a different one, threw that one around too, only successfully broke the one. Um, There are a a noise band and a kind of dark one at that. Fortunately... Uh, at their m- merchandise table They had free earplugs <laughs> So we walked out there, <laughs> went back in And I continued to watch the whole thing And I was like, you know, maybe not for me But really enjoyable I could have brought better earplugs I could have been prepared I could have prepared those who- that were with me That would have better So always, always look up opener It's a way to get excited about things It's a way to prepare for the concert
0: Also, just like yes. I-, I think that you know, having a pair of concert earplugs is a good thing too. Um, mm-hmm. I realized where I recognize the name from—the guitarist. This guy Oliver Ackerman is also uh, a, a maker of uh, fancy, shman- fancy, schmancy guitar pedals. They were selling those at the show. They were Oh my god, those are expensive as fuck.
1: Yeah. I, um, <laughs> who,
0: who buys like three hundred dollar merch at a concert? I, I didn't. I didn't see, see it. it.
1: <laughs> yeah it was well i think it, i think it said no cash but um i i did not see how much they were but i saw them there i was like ah the these folks are, are in they have their hands in multiple things as we discussed they they kind of are are ready to to pivot to different items um but yeah i mean it's it was like a pretty cool setup uh and i was i was impressed but my ears hurt
0: yeah uh, De- death by audio 270 for a supersonic fuzz gun
1: Sure. <laughs> I mean it's like toilets for all I know that's how much they cost all the time.
0: Yeah, uh it's not really. That's not really how much that stuff costs, but uh but yeah, that's uh, a a pair of concert earplugs is a good investment, uh, especially since you know the kind of the the ones that you get for free tend to be uh not not very good and and you know there there's some some sound dork stuff about the way those work and and they they cut certain frequencies more than others so they they really dramatically impact how you hear not just how much you hear um mm-hmm. and so like if you are a person who really likes going to concerts and 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 wants a, an optimal experience without wrecking your eardrums i i think it would it, you it would benefit you to to do a, a skosh of Research on on better earplugs than that, um. Yeah, well, now that now that I've nerded out about that again, I was gonna uh, say I thought you
2: were gonna go for another ten minutes or so. Is where no, no I,
0: I I can see the I can see the time on the recording, and we've gone on for too long already. Uh, so I will uh I will make the big idea from pop culture brief, uh, and and celebrate a a wonderful bookstore here in Richmond, Chop Suey Books. Uh, the, the owner of the store, this guy named Ward Teft is selling to new owners. He's been involved in the store for, he opened the store several years ago and, uh, the, the pandemic has sort of, you know, given him uh, a new outlook on, on priorities and whatnot. And he has a a young kid like four, I I think it's four years old he's like i you know i'm ready i want to spend more time with my son and i can't do it running this bookstore all the time so it it seems from from the uh the richmond times dispatch story that i read that the owners the new owners are uh longtime richmond residents who love the store and really want to keep it the same Uh, so that seems promising, but I just, I was very excited that today during my lunch break, I was able to, to pop by and, uh, buy two more books from him and, and to say thank you. Uh, Oh, that's good. Sounds like this is an instance of, uh, of a
1: media company, uh, (laughs) not being bought by private equity, which we support here.
0: Huzzah. Uh, okay. That is the end of the show you can find us at our home on the web www.prettyokpod.com. you can subscribe to the show feed on your podcast app of choice if you do that leave a rating review that sort of thing or i don't know just tell a friend about the show we'd love to share it with them as well we'll be back next week to talk about something else until then i'm Sean i'm Pierce i'm Kevin thanks for listening
2: was the tower. Bye. Cool